Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. This episode is brought to you by Michigan Economic Development Corporation. In Michigan, you can have both a rewarding career and a quality lifestyle with plentiful career opportunities in world-changing, innovating industries, from electric vehicles to clean energy to biotech, with room for advancement no matter where you are in your career. Plus, Michigan offers a welcoming, beautiful, affordable, and inclusive community for all. Live your best life. You can in Michigan. Visit themichiganlife.org. All right, I am about to interview Max Gomez. We're just waiting for him to pop in. Oh, there he is. All right, Max, I'm gonna invite you to speak. And then we will get it kicked off. Can you hear me now? Yep, what's up, Max? Good, how's it going? I'm good, man. Thank you so much for being here today and I appreciate you for, for joining Colin. Excited uh, to dive into breath work today and talk about your story and most importantly just to catch up i know we've you know gotten to know each other over the last couple months and it's been super cool just chatting with you but again thanks so much for being here tonight of course thanks for having me and it seems like a very cool app cipher <laughs> for sure and i think again so for everyone that's listening on the podcast or, or even listening on Colin, i absolutely love the product you've built if people aren't aware of what breathwork is, I'd love for you to give them a high level overview of what it is that you've built. Yeah, so breathwork is one of the easiest and fastest ways to change your mind and body. So basically my story of how I founded breathwork was I tried to meditate and I failed. Um, I struggled with anxiety and depression and found really no remedies anywhere else until a therapist actually taught me breathing exercises as a way to calm down. Um, and I was so fascinated by how quickly it worked that I wanted to put together an app and after discovering that there were so many different types of breathing exercises out there from stuff to wake up, go to sleep, get focused, I'm like, okay, there needs to be an app around this. And to my surprise, there wasn't. And long story short, that's the Breathwork app is just exercises to help get you up and focused, to put you to sleep at night, help you run further and help you calm down. I love that. And I mean, for people that, uh, again, are just coming across it and maybe learning about it, I know you guys have been not only massively successful over the past couple of years now, but when it comes to just ranking in the app store, you guys, I believe, and quote me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, like a featured app and something that not only users love, but have been recognized um, on the app store and have a lot of love behind you and support. Yeah, that was like one of the most exciting days. We got a pretty big feature on the App Store. And then we've actually ranked pretty high in the health and fitness category a couple of times. I think our highest ranking was at six, oh, um, nice. which is like a dream because the, when I originally launched the product, um, I really was building it for myself. I, I needed this product myself in order to use. Um, and then the whole idea came together. Then I met my co-founder and the mission came together. And then it all started to make sense. Yeah. So when was it when... 
you founded Breathwork, and I know you talked about you know your reason why, but regarding finding the right co-founder, finding the right team, like walk us through that process. Yeah, so basically, when the idea first came to me, I thought one, there's nothing in the market that's around breathing. There's all these different meditation apps out there. Um, there's the Calm and there's the Headspace, but a lot of people tried to meditate and couldn't do it. And they have so many users who churn and burn through their platform. And I'm just like, okay, there has to be something that's not spiritual, not abstract and pretty direct. So kind of put together the concept for Breathwork. And within like the first two weeks, I put together like a pitch deck, a prototype, a website, an Instagram page, started collecting signups. Um, and then very luckily, one of my old boss's best friends called me over to hang out with her and her friend. And she's like, hey, I want you to meet my friend. She started a bunch of these uh, amazing acquisition companies before, sold a company to Twitter, has this amazing resume. I'm like, great, I'll come meet your friend. So when I went over there to meet her friend, I showed her friend the uh, Breathwork app. And Addie is her name, was the name of her friend at the time. Addie was like, this is awesome. I was actually thinking of the same exact thing. And she showed me a note in her phone shortly after that that said create a Breathwork app. So it's kind of one of those moments where you're at the right place <laughs> at the right time. And uh, from that point forward, she's like, let's partner on this. I'm like, great, let's do it. I, uh, you know, at the time was, was, I think, just coming out of like being severely depressed, like didn't really, you know, have job stability at the moment and was just looking for the next thing to do. And um, it, this seemed like the proper opportunity and also seemed just like something that felt very genuine to do. Um, so from that point forward, we just hit the ground running. And I think the, the biggest thing in the beginning is just to continue momentum and not stop. Um, so we met in, in August, yep. two years ago, 2019. Um, and the, yeah, wow. the second we met, we're just like, we're just going to run as fast as we can. We got the prototype on the app store, uh, within two months, started collecting, you know, a bunch of users on the platform. I think our first month we got over 10,000 users. So yeah, nice. at that point we're like, okay, I think we're onto something. Let's go and try to raise some venture capital. Um, so it's a crazy story. Addie's out surfing one day, um, in Venice beach and she's talking to some guy out there by the waves. And he's like, oh, I help companies raise venture capital. We're like, cool, we have this app, uh, you know, we're trying to raise venture capital. And he's like, great, I'm introducing you to a couple people. So he introduces us to like Feel Capital and Bessemer Ventures and a bunch of the big dogs. <laughs> um, so we, we meet with Feel Capital, meeting went great, and then never heard back from them again. And then we meet with Bessemer. And me and, me and Addy were like, okay, this is going to be another one of those practice calls. Like Bessemer doesn't really invest this early on. Like they're not going to be interested yeah. in it. Um, yeah. And then, very funny, the first call, partner hops on the phone, which I didn't know is, is common. It wasn't common at all because it was so new in, in the raising venture capital process. And um, Rob Stavis hops on the call and he's like, hey, guys, I love breathwork. And it's like super excited to talk today. And from that point forward, Addy and I just like, you know, we're so illuminated and we're able to you know, pitch him and, and, uh, and uh, the partner on the vision and what we're doing, and what we're trying to build and just continue to get really excited and amped up about the product. And I think you could tell that. We were very serious about what we were doing and building. And, you know, we are kind of an interesting duo. My co-founder is 15 years older than me. Um, she's been very successful in, in her career in advertising. And I'm just, you know, young and hungry and coming together, making this duo of, of building something. And I think he felt that on the phone. So that momentum built up there. He invited us to New York. We met with them. Bessemer was one of our first investors um, in a round of funding, which was just kind of mind-blowing because they don't really get involved. Yeah, this early on. I think they invest in like yeah. maybe like five seed stage companies. Uh, that might have changed now. Wow. Um, and that, I just remember that just kind of that moment of okay, I think we're onto something again. And then you kind of keep going and going and going. And then we were able to raise more capital uh, from other investors and angels after that. And then COVID hit, and that was kind of the the scary time. It's like what's what's going to happen with COVID is 
are we, are we screwed? Can we continue to raise money? Like, is the industry going away? Um, you know, we're all yeah. just locked inside and nervous. And that was actually in a weird way, kind of a blessing for the company because it had a lot of people, you know, really think about their mental health and about their mindfulness and about their, their bodies and physical well-being. So people were searching for things to do. Um, you know, whether it be to reduce anxiety or just feel better or, or run or, you know, have a hobby or do something else, it was natural for people to start searching for breathing exercises. Um, so we were the only breathing app really out there at the time. So we just ranked number one for breathing um, on the app store and more people started finding us and, and, you know, going to Breathwork because of that. And it was really great to see all the organic traffic grow. And I think even today, like we're almost, I think like 80 to 90% organic. Uh, users have, have found us and in very little paid, which is which is great because wow. you know, getting paid, paying for users is really really expensive, especially now uh, these days. Um, and then from that point forward, we just continued yeah. to, to grow and scale. And I think we launched TikTok after that. Yep. Now, so how much um, how much capital have you guys raised in total now? Yeah. So we've raised over seven point four in total now across two rounds nice. of funding. Um, what were I know? I know because I know you kind of gave the, you know, it's it's. I would say it's rare to have your second call and close a close someone, right? So it's like, what was that experience for you, and what was the biggest lesson you learned through raising now a little over seven point four million dollars? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is you really, 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 really have to care and love what you do because they will ask you questions that demotivate you, make you feel like shit. Um, you know, really just kind of make you question why you're doing this. I remember, you know, someone asked me a question, yeah. what is your defensibility? And I was trying to explain the brand and how you're different. There's nothing out there. And, and this man just, just said right back to me, you don't have a brand. And, uh, that like cut me in the stomach and, you know, like really felt like, like <laughs> knocked the wind out of me, but just kind of build thick skin from that. And, you know, I woke up the next day, yeah. and like, you know, what? I don't care. Cause I'm looking at all these reviews of people waking up in the morning, using my product to get out of bed, helping with anxiety. Putting it, you know, we had a father writing to us saying he put his seven-year-old autistic daughter to sleep with their app every night. So we had all these reviews and stuff coming in. So because of oh, that, like it really helped me go further. So my biggest recommendation is be really passionate about what you're doing and really have that why push you forward because it, it's tough, man. Um, and then you know you kind of get in the flow and rhythm and you build momentum within raising capital. You get your first yes or have a good conversation. You're stoked about the next conversation and you have to like kind of stack your meetings on top of each other. Um, and then really you get to a point where you have more leverage where yep. you now have enough interest in your company and products that you could now start to select the good investors for you and not just, you know, select a investor. And I think that's yep. one of the most important things is yep. an investor should be another member of your team. Um, you know, sometimes you want to look for people who are helpful. I think most times investors don't provide too much value unless they're actually going to be really close to you. Um, so that's one thing that we looked for within raising around is making sure that the people cared and were hungry just as much as we were. Um, so we actually ended up going with some kind of newer firms to, to invest in us over some bigger ones because it was more appealing to us that these people will be, you know, you know, on the, on the ground with us and helping us make introductions and, and doing different things here and there. And that's really important is to get to the point of leverage and then pick the people who are on your side. Um, because it's it's really really easy to find or, or get attracted to a big name investor and think that that's going to change your, change your life, but it really for the most part doesn't. Yeah, no, that's so true, man. <clears throat> what has been the most successful growth hack for Breathwork? I know you guys do very well on TikTok, and I'm not sure if that's it or not. But 
what would you say has been the most critical growth hack for user adoption and user growth? I think one of the, the best growth hacks was having people be able to use the product outside of the product. So every single, all the ads we run, all the TikToks we make, are, and the ones that do well are just our breathing exercises, plain and simple. So it's yep. almost like a movie trailer where like, if someone watches a movie trailer for, to the end, you know this high intent, they're going to convert. It's the same with this, our exercises. If people watch our exercises and do them to the end, we know they're going to download the app or interact with the app. So our biggest thing is to get people breathing as fast as possible. And I think that's always been the, the thing with, with companies is like get people to use the product as quick as possible. Um, and I think that's what's been helpful for us. But I must say getting onto TikTok early on was really, really helpful for us because it was a new kind of time of TikTok where things would go viral overnight. Um, and I remember just the first video that went viral got like a million views. And then we hired uh, th- this woman from TikTok who was actually making breathing exercises to run our TikTok. And the first video she posted after like two weeks got 10 million views. Um, and it was, it was a quick breathing exercise. And then wow. she found her style and her mojo. And she took our account from 70,000 to 2.5 million, I think under six months, um, which was absolutely mind boggling. But the biggest the biggest thing yes. was get people to use the product. And if your product can be the way that you interact with your audience, then that's the, the best thing ever. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. 100%. What would you say as a founder has been the most important thing while scaling and growing? Because I'm sure there was growing pains throughout the process when it comes to <laughs> Whether oh, yeah. that's internal <laughs> bugs in the product, which would be a fun conversation to get into, but like, what were some of the most challenging, or um, you know, what lessons did you take throughout the the growing pains? I think picking the right talent, but also being the right manager for the right people. Um, equally as important as getting the right talent is getting someone that you know you can manage and can work with. Uh, you know, as a young founder, obviously, this is one of my first times building a company this big and, and, and uh, employing this many people. So I have a lot of struggles, too, with, with managing people. I'm learning as the people who I'm working with are also learning how to, how to work and operate uh, with me. And I think the biggest thing is to really optimize for how your management style is, um, because that will make things a lot easier in the end. Because, um, you know, I, I can't be able to, to be very hands-on in certain areas and there's other areas where I want to be very hands-on. So you have to make sure that you have the employees who, who can work with you and, and also just are aligned with you and your vision and your mission because it'll get really complicated, especially as the company scales. Um, the more people you add, there's more interactions between internally in the company. You go from four to 20 people and there's now like I think 400 different interactions and, and, and communications happening between everyone because that's just how the multiple numbers and communication works in the company. So making sure to yep. have the right talent, the right team, be the right manager and also have the right culture, I think is the most important thing that I try to focus on internally. And like I said, man, I'm, I'm not perfect at it. It's tough, but it's something that, that I really care about. And I make sure that everyone knows in the company that one, I tell them very early on that I will fuck up. Um, I won't do everything right. But two, I will really, really care about <laughs> you. And I really care about this company. And that's kind of the, the promise I make to them. Yep. No, I, I love that so much, Dwight. Very well said. What would you say has been the most important exercise with building culture going from, like you said, that four to 20? How, how have you maintained or how have you guys maintained that level of culture that makes you proud, that gets you excited, that you know has everyone on the same page? Because I think that's yeah. such an important skill, as you know. And uh, I think you guys have done it very well just based off of our conversation and our interaction. And 
um, my interaction with the app, most importantly. Yeah, well, this is one great example, and, and it happened at a retreat about a month ago. So we, we had a retreat where we flew all of our employees out. We had this um, kind of like nice place, this nice mountaintop in Malibu. We were hanging out as a team. And the opening session was just storytelling. So we sat in front of everyone, my co-founder and yeah. I, and we said, this is where we're at. Um, this is, you know, this is, you know, where we're trying to be. And most importantly, this is how we got here. So we didn't hold back. We went through all the details of our past and how we got here. I, you know, I, I told everyone at the company, like how depressed I was, like how, you know, I lost a job, I lost a relationship, I lost a relative. And like, that's what led me to the couch of a therapist to discover this product. And just being really, really authentic and open and honest with everyone in a public setting, um, and like, not like holding back emotions either, like showing that like one, I care, I'm human and I've been through a lot, but this is like the story of how it started. Um, my co-founder shared her story and, you know, we, we told everyone, Hey, you could just share why you're here, but you don't have to go into as much detail as, as we did. You know, just, you could say you're just here cause the, you know, the, the salary looked good or something, but every single person spent at least like a half an hour or to an hour telling their story. So this opening session at a retreat went, you know, we thought it was going to be like a, an hour long session to four hours long of people sharing stories of how they came here. Wow. People were opening up about, you know, how they experienced homelessness or, um, you know, a parent like stole money from them when they were younger or like how like, they, like they had to told the story of them coming out of the closet and like the anxiety felt with that and just how they felt like we were building like a community at Breathwork. And it was really great to hear all these people just share so much and be so open and honest and intimate with this group of people that they work with. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you can really show your employees how human you are. And, you know, you're not really, not really your employees. You're, you're, you're working for them and your community of people that all have the same mission and you just have a different role in it. And I think that's the biggest thing is to, to really build that community and really build the openness with people. Yeah. I, I love that. How often do you guys do retreats? I'm curious. Yeah, so we tr- we try to do every quarter, and now since the team's getting a lot bigger, it's very harder to coordinate and getting really expensive. Yeah. So it's going to be yeah. probably twice twice a year. Um, okay, and then eventually we'll have an office in LA, and we'll be able to fly people out to who are across the country because most of half of our team is is in LA, and the other half is kind of distributed across the country. So we'll we'll be flying people right. into the office to to come and hang out. Very cool. That's that's incredible. And and you're based in LA, correct? Right, full time. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, that's, that's incredible. What would you say? I'm, I'm just curious. There's so many ways I, I want to take this. I mean, I, I think it's so cool to like for me and to relate a little bit to my end that, you know, I just launched my own software, not, not an app yet, but more a web app and just experiencing the last two weeks of feedback and, and bugs and things that go wrong, but also the, the great user feedback <laughs> and the great reviews we're getting and, and balancing that it, it's, you know, you could be having the best day, but then one thing goes wrong and it, you know, you get sidetracked and it, it becomes priority. Like what were some of the learning lessons or, or, or urgent problems that you had to deal with that in retrospect might be small, but when they were happening were the biggest things in the world. <laughs> well, the end of the, well, I mean, I think the problems always pop up where there's a bug you got to fix. And I remember it's kind of, we had an outsourced team in the beginning. So it was up to like two in the morning with this team in, in, in India and, and having to work with them and, and go through things and, being anxious over this button was not in the right place or this, you know, this uh, feature wasn't working properly or like it loaded too slowly or something. Um, but I think the thing is just like, like no, and just take a deep breath that like people don't care as much as you care. 
Um, and that's one of the biggest perspectives to get out there is that like no one's going to know that a little bit of text at the bottom is actually a different font than what's over on the other side of the screen or that like that bug is not working or they'll, they'll forgive you. Like if, if you you have a bug that really kind of, let's say an user sign up, does not people sign up, people will forgive you. They'll come back. Um, some people, you might churn some people out, but as long as you're fast and you get it done within a short period of time, then you should be fine. You don't really lose a reputation if your, if your servers crash anymore. Um, I think it's like in the, if, if you watch the social network, um, they're like always freaking out about the servers crashing and running out of money. And they're saying the whole reputation rides on it, but yeah. that's not true. Um, your whole reputation doesn't ride if, if there's a bug in, in the product and it's just good to, to take a step back and, you know, do your best, but, you know, realize these things happen. It's inevitable. I love that. So good to hear too. <laughs> I mean, for us, it's like, same thing. <laughs> we have a, a team of, eight or nine now some like, we have four of our main devs are in the u.s and then some are national and you know it's balancing that and really focusing on mm-hmm. finding great devs and uh, obviously i'd love to hear your thought process on this. this is all new to me but finding great devs to get on board is not only very limited but it's it, it's a challenge and i think every startup in uh faces that unless you're a huge company with an incredible amount of funding and maybe that's obviously changed for you guys as you've grown but what, what have you dealt with regarding hiring developers and, and not dealing with but working with different people from different places like what's your whole thought process mm-hmm. and experience there yeah well in the beginning we hired developers uh, overseas because it, it was cheap and and it was um you know something that we could get done very quickly and it was to put a prototype out there to see if it worked um over time um you know you had to kind of go more in-house people at the same time zone as you same incentives yeah. make them full-time employees have health benefits and have them feel a part of the culture because having them into the culture is going to be really important to having everyone bought into the mission um because if you don't really care about the mission of the company you're working for it's just just a job and you don't kind of want that you want everyone to, to feel like you're part of something bigger and that's where it gets really exciting you get the most you know the most productivity about it, out of everyone, the most happiness out of everyone, which is more important than, than productivity, is that your workers are happy. Um, but in the beginning, yeah, I, th- I think the outsource the, the outsource strategy is the easiest one to go down. And then over time, as build momentum and traction, have more funding and more PR and press, and and more people know about your company, it'll be easier to hire people that way. But as as the role of the CEO, yep. like you, you really have a couple jobs. One is is to always be selling the company to investors and also to feature prospected. Um, your prospective talent too. So you have those two things that you're dealing with is how do I continue to sell the company to investors, but also sell it to employees too. Like why you should work here. Um, what's like, how we can make this a great culture for them and a fit for them and, and be life changing for them. Um, and that's kind of what it comes into over time is that, yay, a, you could, you could find talent, but two, it's hard to convert them. And, and three, most of the best talent already imported, um, you know, a really good engineer or developer yeah. is that a different company. Um, so you yeah. just have to convince them to jump ship and, and why, you know, this company is 10 times better than the company they're already at because people don't want to leave their current company. Um, and, and that's kind of the fun part because if you're really passionate and love what you're doing, I think it's pretty easy for people to tell within your voice that you're really excited about the company and that you really believe in it and that get people really excited about it too and, and join. But talent is always the hardest thing. I mean, if you don't have recruiters or yeah. you don't you know, have an in, in, in-house uh, you know, HR team, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, to, to continue to raise, to continue to get talent. Absolutely, no, that, that's definitely something that, uh, as we're growing, learning, it, it's obviously priority as we're we're continuing continuing to grow and raising different rounds in the future. So, no, that, that was very on point. I appreciate the feedback there. 
when, when you think about the future of breath work, what excites you the most and the team just regarding the future of what you're building and, and also just, you know, like what keeps you up at night? Yeah. Well, what, someone asked me a question a long time back is like, when do you, when do you consider breath work successful? And, and it was like something that I like pondered for a second. And I answered very quickly without thinking, I said, we're already successful because we're helping people. And no matter how small or big, or how many people that is, we're still have, have an impact on people's lives. And that was like, really just something that came so naturally for me. And then secondary for me, what excites me is like how, the ability to help and influence more people across the world. Um, cause I know there's so many people out there who wouldn't meditate, who wouldn't do these things that are healthy for them, but would maybe try breath work because we brand it in a different way or, or the app is so easy to use and function all that it makes it more appealing to them. Um, and one thing that really excites me is the ability to influence different demographics of people who wouldn't typically be your, your classic meditators or, or your classic wellness people. I think a lot of common headspace is attracted towards uh, a middle-aged female group. And, and we want to be for everyone. We don't want it to be for one group of people and, or, you know, too, or, you know, too spiritual or, or too woo-woo or too different. And I think that's one thing that excites me the most is really affecting, you know, people like myself. Like I was a young male experiencing anxiety and depression and needed something to help. And I didn't want it to feel like, you know, too overwhelmed by, by kind of the wording or the verbiage that of, of a company that, that kind of seemed too abstract for me. And that's, you know, really exciting that we could actually affect and, and, and help more people across the world. Um, and the other thing that excites me is the ability to expand globally. Everyone breathes, um, you know, b- the ability to, to, to really go into uh-huh. different kind of yeah. cultures and translate the app very quickly and really build out the product and for multiple different kinds of types of people is, is exciting too. And then the last thing is just, you know, continuing to just build a community in the product too. So having people be able to breathe together, interact with each other, um, you know, check their biometrics with an Apple watch and then see it, how it can change as they're doing breathing exercises. Um, and then, you know, really just helping people improve their lives is the most exciting thing. I love that. It's such a powerful mission and, and powerful cause, man. Like kudos to you guys. It's so, that's just so cool to hear. When you think about integrating with, like you said, like the Apple watch, is that already in progress or how, what does that even look like? Cause I think like one thing that I'm fascinated about is, I just got a mattress, eight sleep mattress, and it's been super great. You know, you can track your biometrics and your heart rate and all those cool things. Your mattress yeah, can do this? Eight sleep. It's, it's super <laughs> cool. And you can make it cold. You can make it high. You can vibrate to wake you up. Like all these cool things. And it's linked to Do we have a discount code, <laughs> Casey, at eightsleepmattress.com? <laughs> Not yet, but soon, right? <laughs> I hope to hear this. <laughs> totally, totally. They're, they're incredible. But I say that to say, like, when I think about breathwork and, and their cause, it's it's not only just similar, but the, the ability to track and improve your life and to take accountability and to really watch what's happening, right? Like, I, I think that's super important and not only a huge selling point, but it's, it's very attractive to consumers nowadays. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because I'm sure, you know, you've seen the Aura Ring, you see all these different devices that people love. Um, so how do you, yeah. how do you got, how are you guys thinking about that with, with breathwork? Yeah. So a lot of people asked us in the beginning too, are you going to get into to wearables? And, and that's really not our interest right now. We think that the, the wearables are best for the people who do it best, like the aura rings, the whoops, the Apple watches. And the best thing that we can do is actually get into their APIs and use that data to help better serve people 
whether that be being able to serve a breath through the Apple Watch or, or get their HRV data throughout the day and be able to send them a breath to help them come down in the afternoon if we see that they're not moving too much or they're having a high amount of anxiety throughout the day. So really just taking the data from what's already out there and allowing that to feed back into the app and then give people that data, ba- that data feedback loop where they could get better recommendations and also get the biometrics and biofeedback as they're going through an exercise too because it's exciting to see if you wear, you know, a, a, a pulse oximeter or, or you wear anything that could track your heart rate, you could see your heart rate and HRV changing as you're doing different breathing exercises and they change in different ways depending on the breathing exercise that you do. So that, that stuff's exciting to be able to show people actively to serve them the, the best breaths possible throughout the day because we want to get better, too, at serving that through, you know, um, machine learning and stuff, too. Yeah, I love that. It's so cool even to think about just, the, the translating effect for the app. Are you guys already in different languages or is that yet to come? Uh, that's yet to come. We are global right now. I mean, our, our yep. number one market is the United States, UK, Canada, um, and then goes into Europe. But we do have people across, across like, who write reviews in different languages that we never even translate into, which is, I think is really exciting um, because we have yeah. something that's just so easy to understand and to use, which should be the goal of every single product. Like make it so easy that like a grandma can use it. Um, yep. And like, that was, that's the thing I always say. It's like, if my grandma could, could use it, then like, I think that, that everyone could use it. Um, so regardless, like if a grandma <laughs> can use it, then someone like maybe doesn't speak the language of, of the app can also use it and understand it um, because it's just so simple. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point. It's so cool to even think about that. Cause I know, I see a lot of some people that I follow that are putting out content. They're they're translating it and putting it in different languages. And just to think about that, there's so many different markets for, especially tools like Breathwork, where as you expand and and translate the app, like it just there's so much exponential growth there. Um, when you think about like, growing the team from this point forward, obviously, you know you guys have 20 employees now. You said right? How? Like how quickly did mm-hmm. you go from four to twenty, and what does the future look like um, for the rest of this year, moving into twenty twenty two? Yeah, I mean, we went from four to twenty in probably about six wow. months. So we grew very, wow. very, very quickly. Yeah, and then it was like four, then it was like seven, and then it just turned into twenty, kind of like overnight. Yeah. Um, we're still like actually hiring the last, the last two of that twenty. So we were, I think we're at like, yeah, we're just higher 18th or yeah, 18th. Um, so like, we're going to be a little bit over 20 by the, by the end of the month. Which yeah. Is really exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, for the future, we're always going to need more employees, but I, I like the idea of staying lean right now. I absolutely love the team that we have and think this is the team that can scale and really, you know, be a, a billion dollar company that, that changes the world. And we just want to build around that team that we have right now. I think there's a few other hires that we, that we can have. Um, but you know, right now I, I think this is a pretty good solid team and we're going to stay at this size at least for the next six months and then raise our next round of capital. And then obviously from that point, we'll have to expand the teams out into different areas. Yeah, I love that. Well, cool. I, I have two more questions before we wrap up here, Max. One is just, if you were to give yourself any advice, if you were, you know, back in that mindset of being unhappy, you're depressed, what advice would you give yourself now? Just after going through this incredible journey and process that you've been on for years now, what advice would you give yourself and why? Just it always gets better and, and there, there's value in every single thing that's tough. I think I, I take that advice every single day. And, and even when there's tough days with in the current company or in my personal life, I just know that like there's value derived from every single bad circumstance. And I think just like 
what I've been through is a really good example of that. Just going from being depressed, like sleeping on a friend's couch and really not knowing where I was going with life to starting a company that's been helping millions of people around the world. Just want to, you know, tell people that there's value within that. Like those moments when, when I was really down, I learned so much and I probably would have never really taught myself how to read so, so much because I'm dyslexic where I wouldn't have, you know, discovered, you know, meeting new friends and new people because I was so, you know, lonely at the time that there was value within those moments that, that are bad and there's value within in all those moments. And that's what I tell myself and that's what I continue to tell myself right now. I love that. Well, Max, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Where is the best place for everyone listening to download Breathwork, to follow you, to stay in, to stay in touch with you and your entire journey, man? Yeah, so you could download Breathwork. If you search Breathing on the App Store, uh, you can see our app or Breathwork, B-R-A-T-H-W-R-K. We dropped the O because every tech company needs to be something, you know, with a, with a missing vowel. <laughs> um, so w- that's Breathwork. Uh, you can find the website, breathwork.com. We have our TikTok page, uh, Breathwork also, and then our Instagram page, Breathwork. It's, it's pretty easy to find us, um, you know, because yeah. we, we're lucky to get the name without the O in it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, Max, again, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Let's definitely stay in touch. I'm excited to, to do this again sometime as you guys continue to grow and crush it. And congratulations on everything, man. I know it's been awesome getting to know you over the past couple months since we originally met. And again, just congrats on everything and, and keep crushing, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Congrats to you and everything, too. Your, your launch party was very fun. <laughs> thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon. All righty. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus.